listening to Diverse City Podcast. Please stay tuned to hear a powerful word. For giving or more church information, check us out at diversecity.church. Or to text to give, text DIVERSE to 73256. Thank you for listening and enjoy the word. right now. Yes, come on. We come to testify today. We come to make your name great today, that there's nobody like you. Lord, we lift you up today on this amazing and beautiful day. God, you brought us through. We didn't came up, but God, you came through. Hallelujah. We did not come up, but God, you came through. You gave us the promotion. You got us approved. You protected our kids. You protected me from me because there is nobody like my God. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is not just God of this earth, but he is Lord over my life. And every experience, every area of neglect that I've experienced with our earthly fathers, you've been able to meet the need. You've been able to exceed the needs. So we say as one big church that there is nobody like our God. Your grace and mercy covered me when we were thought we were sitting in the middle of the valley. You comforted us, and you prepared a table in the presence of my enemies. Lord, I say to anything that's blocking you, tell the enemy today, watch me eat. Watch my God protect me. Watch his rod give me correction, direction, and provision on this day. So on a day like this, where the world is joined together, to recognize fathers, we come into your house today. We're sitting from our couch today online to say that you're a good, good father. We're here today to say that there is nobody like you. And we say thank you today. When we didn't love ourselves, you still loved us. That while we were yet sinners, you died for us. To everyone that feels down, Today, right now in this moment, you have the power to get up today. There's brothers and sisters to your left and your right that says, keep on going. God is not judging us today based on our perfection, but it's our progression. And to show up in the house today, God is saying, you have another chance to serve, to live, to fulfill your purpose, to discover, to develop, to equip others in such a time as this. So Lord, I ask today that you just bless this message on this beautiful, wonderful Father's Day. Open up our ears to be able to hear because we're going to kick it real today. Open up our hearts for those hearts that are callous. Lord, I decree and declare that it becomes warm and ready to receive what thus saith the Lord. But Lord, most of all, don't allow us to just be hearers of the word, but let us be examples and doers of the word. Let the people of God in this house say amen, amen, and amen. All right. Amen. 
you could, let's go ahead and get started today, because I know a few people have to get to a restaurant, hallelujah. If you could, go ahead and find Psalms chapter 103 and verse 13. Let's give it up for our best dressed member today, Mr. Chris. Come on, brother. Yes, can you walk over here real quick? Then I can get that spiritual real quick, looking all sharp. For Father's Day. Come on, bro. Look at my man. Yes, sir. Maya, come up here. Show it. Come, come, come stand beside y'all, man. I love y'all, man. Y'all doing an awesome job. And we really appreciate you. And I don't even I, it don't even take much faith to know that you're gonna be an awesome and amazing father, just as you have been an amazing and an awesome wife, and you're gonna be an awesome mother as well. So Maya had something else dressed on, and Chris came out with this, and she said, uh-uh, I got to level up today. But I just want to give a shout-out to y'all for all that you are doing and helping with the church. Also, to all of my ladies that were able to help and prepare and to make food on this wonderful, beautiful Father's Day, we say thank you. And give pastors some grace. I normally like a granola bar and a cup of coffee, thank you, a granola bar and a cup of coffee before a sermon, but they fed me, and they fed me well. So if you hear me, ah, ah, give me a minute, Lord, it's the pancakes, hallelujah. All right. Stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. Hallelujah. Okay, go ahead and find Psalms chapter 103 and verse 13, and we're going to read from the NIV version. When you got it, say, I got it. Online in the comments, put, I got it. Make sure you like and share if you care. Help us out with reaching and sharing positivity in some of these challenging times of the world today. Amen. Let's read. One, two, three. As a father has compassion on his children, sorry, the, I'm having trouble with the connection. Compassion Please on try those again in a moment. who fear him. Amen. Before you sit down, I'm just going to challenge you to find a man and say Happy Father's Day, whether they got kids or not. You prophesying today. Say Happy Father's Day to somebody in the building. Come on. Happy Father's Day to all my brothers. This is awesome. Matter of fact, I think this is my first. Thank you. Say happy Father's Day. Thank you, Miss Shanta. Amen. This is my first. This is a great Father's Day today um, for many reasons, but this is the first time ever I've been able to have both of my fathers in the same church, in the same building, in the flesh today. Mr. Jerry, we love you. I thank you for all that you have done. Every time I know you're coming within four weeks, everything that is broken, I just wait till you get here. Hallelujah. Amen. But I really just appreciate your heart, your compassion, and your love for people, your love and how you've raised an awesome daughter, and your love for me. Amen. Now, so where did my dad go? He's in the back. My dad, my real dad. I know he looks like my brother. I know he has more hair. Wait. Yeah, I see him. He looks like my brother, and he has more hair on his head than I do. Amen. But I really appreciate having my dad here, not just for this weekend, but to be here every week 
to be a sounding board and the launching pad of me giving my life to Christ. Can we give it up for my dad today? Amen. So as we move on, make sure you like and share it. And we are in our Be Our Guest campaign. Make sure you reach out to Pastor Aldine. As we mentioned, during the month of June, as you bring four guests, you will get a gift card. No questions asked. This is our time. I believe this is our season to bring people back to the house of God. Yes, I understand those that are taking precautions, those that are still working through various issues. But if everything's good, I believe it's important for us to prioritize to get back in the house of God. Amen. All right. So here we are. We are family series. If you've enjoyed any of the lessons, could you just wave at me? Give me a hey. hey. Give me a woo woo. It's Father's Day. All right. Father's Day. We are family. I see returning guests and new guests here today. So just to give you some context so you can respect the content today. Part one, we started on Mother's Day, and we discussed how to honor and support our parents, that the word tells us to love our parents, no matter if they've been good, they've been bad, but God says to honor our parents, to be able to receive and have long life. Part two, we returned to favor and talked about the responsibility of training day. You know, Denzel Washington, that there's a responsibility for us to train, to correct, to build confidence in our kids. And then part number three, we did cha-ching, cha-ching, talking about money, because money matters. Money influences a lot of decisions that we do, but there is a concepts there is details of what God wants us to do to be able to honor him. And then part four, which not to be biased, maybe one of my favorites, was crucial conversations that as church people and believers, we got to have tough talks. That means we just don't let things happen. But as peacemakers, we're able to approach it and discuss tools and ideas of what to say, when to say, what to do, and how to do. And then part five was Pastor Aldine's favorite. We discussed, why did I get married? That we need God in the center of our lives if we want God to be in the center of our marriage. Shout out to Dewan and Tracy. We had 230 people in the building yesterday for an awesome wedding. They're on their way to Mexico tomorrow for their honeymoon. Pastor Aldine asked if she could fit in the suitcase, but, you know, she got to hook me up and take care of things. But again, why did we get married? That the importance for us is to be an illustration before God that if we want our marriage to be the best, that it's going to require our best. That in our relationship, God's desire is not for us to control our spouses, but to cover them as we had the umbrella. So God must be the center of our family as we move forward. So today, let me just start off this way. Since it is Father's Day, Back in 1972, an American crime scene film came out. 
with a guy that most of us know called Al Pacino. The story spanned it across the 1945s to the 1960s, focused on transforming a son who was reluctant and an outsider in the family to a ruthless mafia. Anybody know what movie we're talking about? The Godfather. But there's one thing, after going back, watching the trilogy, Godfather 1, Godfather 2, and Godfather 3, that how can you be a Godfather without God? Forgive me for my subjective discourse today, but for this Sunday, we're going to talk about Godfathers. Godfathers, go ahead and find Mark chapter 9, verse 17. Again, Mark chapter 9, and we're going to go from verse 17. Let me share with you how we started here. So in Mark chapter 9, the Bible starts with Jesus is in his central point of ministry. He is getting more clout. He now has over a million followers on Facebook and on Instagram, and his popularity is rising to the top. Everybody like, hey, Jesus, what's up, homie? They want to kick it with him. They want to chill with him. But then as you look roughly about Mark chapter 9, verse 3 through 12, he takes his inner circle and God says, you have seen what I can do in my, in my human face, in my humanity. And he begins to transfigure and show his divinity. He said, I am going to show you what it means, what it takes, not only to just be a father, but to be a God father. So in verse 17, check this out. One man, one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I have brought my son so you can heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. Uh-oh, we see in a situation here, we see a father that is dealing with a situation. Stay with me. We see a father that is in a situation that he can't fix. We see a father, based on whatever commentaries and scholars you read, is why is this son dealing with this condition? It could be spiritual. We can step into demonology, but that's not my assignment today. It could be mental. It could be physical. But when you see his son, he is seeing his only son that represents his inheritance that represents his legacy. We see a son that represents his last name. And if any father can testify with me, the most frustrating thing in your life is dealing with a problem in your family that you can't fix. A problem that you can't get a tool for. A problem that you can't cut a check for. A problem that he's been dealing with for a long time. See, fathers, we make impact. Fathers, we get to make a difference. Fathers, you can look at all the statistics that when a father is in the home, when a father is saying we are family, school performance is better, 
when a father is in a home, there is less trouble with the law because we know our dad will kill us when we get home. Fathers, when we see statistics, get better jobs. When we got fathers in the home, we see better social interaction. Fathers, when we're in the home, we see better self-confidence, self-disciplines. Yes, they are exceptions. Yes, we understand that our kids can do some dirt even if we do all the right things. But as a father, we establish foundation. We can fix things. We can have fun, but this is a situation that's going to require some faith of a God father. See, this is a situation where you can't fix or resolve by might or power, but this is a situation that is going to cause the spirit in the presence of God. Look at this last part, though. When you go to 18, move over to the next one real quick, Joseph. 18. Here's the part that got me. So I ask your church members, your leaders, your deacons, your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, and they couldn't do it. Let me be nice. Who comes to church? with issues and situations and we bring it before leaders and the people of God and we can't fix it. See, as God fathers, we have to, or God mothers or God sisters or God daughters, that we have to be in an environment where iron sharpens iron. That the word of God, we show it and we model it. We mentor it and we display God's message. So when there's a situation going on with my Godfather over there, when your wife has made you mad and she's upset that a brother of God comes to iron and sharpen you and say, don't step out on that marriage. I know in this situation you're not happy. I know in this situation you're not happy, you're upset, but maybe God wants you to be holy because you're a Godfather. When iron sharpens iron, It begins to rub up against each other. It begins to sharpen one another. When we're God fathers, when we're a godly church, that we can improve one another through discussion. That we can improve one another, uh uh-oh, through criticism. We can improve one another through suggestions or a new and different perspective. See, here's the situation when iron sharpens iron. And we become God's father that as you grow, we talk to our brothers that you are still the righteousness of God. And when they fall, that you can talk to a brother and says you are still the righteousness of God. Who are you preventing? Who are you allowing this evil spirit, this problem that is dealing on in your life? And they brought it before you and you didn't take them to Jesus? Oh, you took them to the Google tree. And you went for reason and reason and reason and reason. And God is saying to be a Godfather, when are we going to live by revelation? When are you going to take them to Jesus? 
See, let me back it up a little bit. When you go to verse 14, check this out. Verse 14, put this on the screen. It says, when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some teachers of the religious law were arguing with them. Uh Uh-oh, they're supposed to be doing church. And they're arguing. Verse 15. Verse 15. You got it. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all of this you arguing about? Jesus said, y'all tripping. We know the building open. We've been open since February 18th. And instead of worshiping, we are arguing? Y'all tripping. Where my godfather's at? I know you're wearing the badge. I know you're a disciple. But what are you doing to help those in need. See, I read an article this week, and it was called, Why Do Men Hate Church? Since it's the Father's Day, it's worth sharing today. Why do men hate church? Matter of fact, it's a book, but the article just really does a good job of breaking it down. And there's two main reasons. This is not just a diverse city thing. This is a church thing across the world. What is the two reasons why men hate church? Number one, if you take a notes, legalism. What is legalism, you ask? It is a direct and an indirect practice or deeds to achieve salvation or spiritual growth. But what about grace? No, you need to wear your big hat to church. What about mercy? No, if you ain't wearing stockings today, you ain't holy. Direct and indirect practices that are stopping people from approaching God, that we stop them at the door, that you got to sit in the back road, that you can't come in until you're right. God is saying legalism is making more people go to Hebrew Israelites. Legalism is making more people go to the Muslim faith because of our legalistic practice and the real issue is not accuracy but it's arrogance. Our arrogance because somebody can come in and do something that we want to judge and God is saying our legalism is restricting the move of God. Maybe it's not arrogance. Maybe it's just comfort because you like it to always be this way and you always got to sing three songs and you always got to open and you always got to do this and that and God is saying he's not interested in all of those traditions where's the truth at all of these traditions that we try to keep up with but to be the godfather it's going to require truth it's not about clothes I just feel like I got to stay right there. It's not about clothes. It is about souls. Wear your earrings if you want. Wear your tattoos if you want. Wear your hat if you want. Wear your shorts if you want. It's not about clothes, but God is saying in this season, it's not about souls. Maybe when we do our next baptism, if we focus on souls, people will sign up because they don't have to get right before they come in. Come as you are. You can believe before you behave, but if you get around a godfather, something is going to change. See, legalism says 
we demand before we model, but the Christ life says we model before we demand. Larry Miller, wait, no, James Baldwin, Tony Neal will feel me on this. James Baldwin says, I can't believe what you say because I see what you do. I can't believe what you say as long as I see what you're doing, what you're posting, who you talking about, the things that you're saying. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ because I want you to be a, not a good father, but a God father. Y'all still with me? Raise your hand. All right. 1143 if you need your medicine. Amen. But then there's area number two, don't get ahead of me, not only legalism, but men hate church because of leadership. Authenticity, they want to see the real. We come to church, we see that it's nice, we see that it's cool, we see that you lay hands on them and you prayed in tongues, but then you left and you prayed on people by cussing them out. Leadership. Let the church be the church. Leadership is more than the language. But men hate church because they want to see the lifestyle. They want to see the model that you really believe God, that you really believe the scriptures when we actually apply, seek his kingdom first. Do you actually do it? Because we got other faiths that are doing it three times a day, five times a day, and we get busy. And when we get busy, we lose our credibility as the church. Legalism and leadership. Is it, it's losing our credibility to reach men, to help people go from their goodness to their godness and from their godness to display their greatness. I know it's quiet today. It's okay. It's okay, Papa John. I'm going to take care of him. I promise. I'll get him right. But then the scripture goes on in verse number 21 and says, How long has this been happening? Yes, you can think about it from the boy, but how long have you been dealing with this problem? How long have you been willing to eat from the Google tree? How long have you been dealing with this problem? And Jesus asked the boy's father, and he replied, since he was a little boy, I've been trying to figure out what to do in this whole situation. The scripture says in verse number 23, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. What have you seen as a parent trying to kill your kids online, through the games, through social media? I hear the cry. I hear the pain in this father's voice that's been trying for a long time to fix the situation. And no hope, no progress. See, in this scripture, it reveals the bridge of unbelief. You can put that on the screen. 
the bridge of unbelief. There's fathers in here. There are mothers in here that are faced with the bridge. And God is saying, you're going to have to believe. You're going to have to believe to get to the other side. You're going to have to believe. Come on, Peter. Come, Peter. If you keep your eyes on me, Peter, you can walk on water. If you keep your eyes on me, Peter, if you're worried about the storm, if you're worried about the rain, if you're worried about them scared folks that don't want to move and they call themselves to my disciple, what is your bridge? What is your bridge that you are facing now? Maybe you can see the light. Maybe it's faced in the darkness. Maybe you're afraid to walk on the boards because you think it's going to fall because last time you tried this, last time you tried that, and it didn't work. But when God speaks to your spirit, you got to move. Godfathers move. Godfathers respond. The bridge, we have to travel from unbelief to a place of belief. The bridge that we have to travel is leaving the natural to step into the supernatural. Don't get it confused. We got amazing singers and leaders and preachers and we cook good food. We do not want to just, we don't aim for spectacular services, but we aim for the supernatural. God still speaks. Let me say that again. God still speaks. God still speaks in a storm, speaks in the valley, speak when you're broke, speak when they want to leave you, speak when your kids left you, speak when you don't have enough, speak when you have more than enough, speak when things are good. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But as Godfathers, the responsibility is going to start with you. And we think sometimes our inaction is nothing, but our inaction is an action. See, there is power in belief, but then there is power in unbelieving. Don't raise your hand, but I know there's at least 20 people in here that feel stuck. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13 that my people are limiting me because of their unbelief. The scripture goes on in Matthew chapter 13, verse 58. And he did not do many miracles because of their lack of faith. He's here. He can do it. He's able. He is capable. But do you believe? Because God normally meets us every Sunday at our place of expectation. That's how Miss Eileen can get it, and this person can miss it. What's the difference? Expectation. Godfathers, Godmothers, Godchildren, believe. See, my mentor told me this. This is a tweetable moment. He says, God's greatest pain is to be doubted, but God's greatest pleasure is to be believed. I'm going to say that in over here. God's greatest pain 
We hurt his heart. We break his spirit. It disappoints him when we doubt him. But his greatest pleasure is to have children that will believe, children that will seek and knock until the door is open, children that will say, come on in, God. We hear you knocking. Come on in, God. Fellowship with me. Come on in, God. I can't do this by myself. I need God. Unbelief. But what about when you believe? What about Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 that in their physical situation they were bound? In their physical situation they're about to be persecuted. In their physical situation when the people get a hold of them it's about to go down. But then the Bible says that in Acts chapter 16 that they were willing to cross the bridge and begin to not fix their eyes on their situation, but to fix their eyes on their God. They begin to start praying. They begin to start speaking to their situation. They begin to start singing hymns and spiritual songs. And the Bible says, suddenly... An earthquake came. Suddenly, their chains became loose. Suddenly, they begin to get free. And here's the part that kills me on this God Father's Day. The keeper saw that saw uh, saw Paul and Silas were free, and he was getting ready to kill himself. He said, "You know what? I done messed up. I've dropped my guard." And then Paul said, "Hold up! Hold up! Don't kill yourself." And he has an experience with God because of their modeling, because of their behavior. And he asks this question, and you can put this on the screen, in Acts chapter 16, verse 30. And he brought him, come on, verse 30, Acts 16. It should be the next one. Maybe not. All right. Good thing I got good memory. Acts chapter 16 said, sir, I see how you're moving. Sir, I see how you are bound. What must I do to be saved? I see how you're moving differently. I used to hate church. I used to hate religious people. But there's something different about you. And the Bible says, Paul responds In the most biblical arrogance in all of scripture, you and your household will be saved. Let me, don't miss that. You and your household will be saved because now you're shifting into a Godfather. See, men, y'all got some power. Men, y'all got authority. Men, We see in the Judeo-Christian faith that when a man makes the decision to become a God's father, the full expectation is that everybody in the household will follow. Statistics show it today. 80% of a man's decision will be everyone's in the house decision. Statistics show when a woman makes this decision, 30%. And the statistics show that 10% of the decisions that a child would make, everybody will follow. You, man of God, you, Godfather, you got power. 
I don't care what your rank is at work. I don't care how much money you got. You got power. When you make a decision, they're going to follow. When you decide to live for God, they will follow. So to my wives, to my booze, if you got a godly man that's bold enough to come to church to at least try to work, at least try to do the right thing, have you ever even considered that he's doing it without an example? And we begin to judge and we get legalists on him and say, you ain't doing this right, you ain't doing that right. And he is trying to do the best he can. Do not dilute, do not minimize the power that has been given to the Father. Stay with me, come on. The scripture goes on in verse number 23. Hopefully we got this. Yes. What do you mean? Jesus asked. Jesus told him the situation. Jesus looks at the situation and he says, what do you mean if I can? What do you mean if I'm capable? Can God do it? And God responds, anything is possible if a person believes. Matter of fact, you need to say it. One, two, three. Anything is possible if a person believes. Look to your neighbor and say, anything is possible if you believe. Uh Uh-oh, let's say it all together. Anything is possible if we believe. Do you believe it's possible? Oh, I know it's different today. The father instantly responded in a real, in the most authentic way possible. I do believe, but help my unbelief. I do believe, but I got paralyzed during the pandemic. I believe. I'm scared, though. Unbelieve, I stepped out and started the business. I don't know if I could do that again. I believe, Lord. I know you said I'm a Godfather, but I need help with my unbelief. Ooh, this story hits hard for your boy, Pastor James. Because when I read the text all this week, every time I read it, I cried. Because I've seen my daughter have a seizure. And it's the most helpless thing. And I went through eight months of anxiety of not being able to go to sleep. And I'm like, Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. Lord, I believe she's healed. But can you still make her whole? I believe. But help my unbelief. I believe that there's a call on my life, but help my unbelief. I believe, but I'm scared. I believe, but I'm keeping it real. I believe I'm concerned. I believe she's starting kindergarten, but I'm still scared. I believe I see the situation, but I know you can. 
I believe. But help my unbelief. And God is saying, whatever you have left, all you have is all you need. And that is more than enough. Because faith, see, the world tries to tell us, I'll believe it when I see it. And faith says, I see it. I don't have to see it to believe it. That my faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That our faith helps us to visualize the future. Godfathers, I got a question. What do you still see? What can you still see? Is it the size of a cloud, of a man's hand? What do you see, man of God? I know what you've experienced, but what do you see? And the scripture shows that through his faith, through his willingness to give it to God, that God spoke to the situation. And he said, listen here, you spirit that is restricting this boy from speaking, I command you to come out. And he never had an issue again. See, in verse number 28, it talks about after Jesus has done this miracle and everyone's excited because of this boy that had this problem, a father that took his problems to God. They got into the house and they asked the question, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus responded that there are some things that only come out by prayer and fasting. What am I saying here today to my Godfathers? What's the big idea? What kind of choices are you making? Are you making good choices? Or are you making godly choices? We could sit here and talk about love and grace and worship every week. But what about your choices? Are you choosing God? Do you only need God to move in the month of January when it's time to fast? Or have you taken a spiritual checkup? Because if we look at the temperature of the room, of this nation, of our people, there are a lot of people that are running low, close to empty on God. Some of you came here today and said, I ain't got nothing left. And God is saying, I can help you if you make the choice. I can help you because you can choose right now that by the end of the year, you can lose 30 pounds. Let's just keep it real. You can choose right now that in the next two years, you can have your associates. You can choose right now that no matter how bad your marriage is, that if you begin to choose to love, 
God can intervene. You can choose right now through prayer and fasting to get a whole new experience, a whole new dimension of God. So to all of us, what choices are you going to make? What choices have you made? We have to choose to pray. We got to choose to protect and we have to choose to prepare. This is what godly fathers do. This is the choice that godly mothers make, that we choose to pray, that we choose to protect, and we choose to prepare. Because as godly fathers, we're thinking about preparing for our next generation. We're thinking about not just the now, but we're thinking about the next Our choices, Deuteronomy 30, choose this day that in all situations you're going to have a choice between blessings and curses. And I need you to do the right thing as a godly father. It's to not only make a choice for you, but to make a choice for your nets. Stand to your feet. Bow your heads all over this place. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you today as a godly father. I speak life today over the godly fathers in this church that are in the middle of battles and challenges And as we can sing songs like victory belong to Jesus, that as we make the right choices, that victory belong to us. Lord, I pray right now that we establish and create a church that doesn't lack leadership, that doesn't focus on on legalism, but we choose to love, to care, and adore you that we do our part to step up to the plate, to be the godly fathers that you have called us to be. While, Lord, I know this message was challenging and tough today, but I believe that there's people all around here that are really ready to make a change. They're tired of going through reason. They're tired of making just the good choices, but we're going to make a difference by making the godly choice. God, I pray right now you remove every barrier that is blocking us from experiencing you. Lord, I pray right now that you just warm up the hearts of those believers that have got blocked from other disciples, that got blocked from their own insecurities and by faith We choose to cross the bridge, to go to the other side, to follow you, Lord. And I pray right now that you just begin to speak to the hearts of the men and the women in this sanctuary and online to come. God said to come. 
I don't know, there's at least two people in here. You just need to come to the altar. You need to make a public display that whatever has hurt you, that is crippling your unbelief, God said to come and he will help you. God says to come and he will remind you who you are. God says to come and he's going to show you that you are a prophet, that you're a priest, that you're an ambassador, that you're the head and not the tail, and that he loves you so much that he doesn't know how much hair you have on your head, but he's so meticulous for your purpose and for your existence that every hair on your head is not just counted, but they are numbered. God says today, if you come forth to cross the bridge of unbelief, that as you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, that he'll remove your sins as far as from the east and west into the sea of forgetfulness. Well, today I just ask that your word instills courage today into the men of God that it instills confidence today into the men of God, that we don't just have expressions that others will see that we are the example. So I thank you, Lord, right now for my brother Kirk that are willing to say he's not perfect, but he's perfectly capable of pursuing you. Strengthen him empower him, protect him. Matter of fact, Tony, Papa John, come pray for Kurt. Aldine, hold off. I want two brothers, Papa John and Tony, come pray for Kurt. We need to show a display that we're doing this together. Father, right now, I pray that you just strengthen your people today to be able to do your work and your will that we establish an environment that is conducive for expectations, that we might experience your miracles. And Lord, let it not be us that says we could have made a change because we didn't pray. Let it not be us to see that we couldn't make a difference because we weren't willing to push away the plate, push away the internet, push away some recreational activities that throws us off a little bit. But Lord, I believe by faith that you are raising up godly fathers for such a time as this, that you will pour out your spirit upon your fathers, your sons, and your daughters, that we can be all that you have called us to be. I thank you in advance, Lord, that as we've been going through week by week in this we are families, that families will become stronger, that families will become better, that families will be a place where we can have rest and refuge to refuel and to rejuvenate because your presence is there. And I challenge my men that whatever's going on, that they take up the mantle to be the God fathers in this season. We decree and declare that these things shall be done. 
In the mighty name of Jesus, let the church say, Amen.